0: All right, well, we're here, we made it. Doctor V is in the house. Uh, we're doing a Heart of a Warrior podcast. It's just finally happening, Arthur. Oh man, it took a while, didn't it? Yeah, it took a little <laughs> while, but we're we're kicking in. I'm really excited to what we're going to be talking about today. But I just want to know. I just wanted everybody to know that I'm really honored to be sitting here with him. Um, he's the creator and president of president of Heart of a Warrior Ministries. He's my mentor. He's a speaker, teacher, everything in between. <laughs> He's written many books: "Rattling of Sabres, "Papa's Blessings," "Setting Your Chorus," "Leadership Beef Jerky." They're all good. Um, so get them all if you can. Um, they're fantastic books. And uh, but I figured we'd jump right in. Uh, sure. When we talked a little a little while ago, about two months ago, we were talking about what we were gonna, you know, have a conversation on today. And so beliefs is the thing that kind of came to the top of your head. And so. Uh, Mm -hmm. So, in Rattling of Sabres, you say the battlefront of beliefs. Explain that. What do you mean by the battlefront?
1: Well, first of all, I mean, to put it into context, uh, we're talking about an ecosystem as one metaphor, where beliefs are the primary uh, living component of this ecosystem, which includes values, it includes worldview, it includes motives, um, and that produces the behavior. But beliefs has always been the central part of that. So uh, when we talk about the heart, we're talking about the fact that your central beliefs establish your values, your values inform your worldview, your worldview conditions, your motives, your motives energize your behavior, and your behavior will always reflect the health of your heart. But it all starts with fundamental beliefs. And uh, everything flows from that. So whatever you believe at the core of your being will manifest itself, Mike, in either overt behavior that brings glory and honor to God or dishonor and shame. So I know, you know, being in this ministry for now, wow, almost 30 years working with men, that we have this capacity and ability to go ahead and articulate a belief system that bears little correlation with how we behave. Okay. So in other words, in Western culture, we proclaim things strongly as if we're adhering to them, we're being obedient to them, they're part of the core of our being. But oftentimes our behavior over time betrays us in terms of being the true evidence of what we truly believe. Because if somebody wants to know what you believe at the core of your being, all they need to do is be observant. Like, for instance, if I could follow you around for maybe three weeks um, and you didn't know I was there, I wouldn't even have to hear what you had to say. I would just watch you. And at the end of that three weeks, I'd be able to come back and tell you what I believe, you believe, you truly believe, and what you truly value. Because we can't even keep up the persona very long. It depends on our discipline and the focus of our life. We can carry on a persona, projecting somebody we're not really. But sooner or later, at a weak moment, when we're tired or we're in the middle of crisis, we'll always revert back to who we are at the core of our being.
0: Right, right.
1: So so the idea is <clears throat> when we talk about the battlefront of beliefs, that is crucial. Ancient Hebrew scholar says a belief is not a belief until you act on it. So the fact of the matter is your behavior, especially trended behavior, I'm not talking about aberrations or, or, or you know blips on a radar screen, I'm talking about trends over time, will always be evidence of what you truly believe at the core of your being. Because right. your beliefs are the foundations you stand on. Right. And so every belief will, uh, will issue forth in some sort of behavior. Right. And oftentimes when we're passive about the beliefs we say we hold, or if they're a um, you know, combination of the world, the flesh, the devil, and Scripture, hmm. then some days out of the same heart come decisions or behavior that is honorable, And other days it's despicable and it's coming from the same heart because what's going on is there is an incongruence. um, There's an incoherence and an inconsistency to our beliefs because the critical thing about beliefs, it's all about truth, really. It's all about truth.
0: Well, I was just going to say with, you know, living in the world we live in now, that's just got everything under the sun out there for us to try to put our belief into. Mm-hmm. you know I mean you, you got everything out there that's trying to pull at it especially men today that are trying to you know pull us into you need to believe this way you should be be believing this way how can we decipher what's a in a sense of right belief how can yes, we decipher yeah.
1: yeah well you you have to go back to the fact that there there really are um uh well it's probably simplistic but it, it's it's accurate there are, are essentially four different um truths okay First of all, there's what we call subjective truth. Subjective truth, um, it can be an opinion or a feeling, and it's based on our perspective and our preferences. <clears throat> so coming out of our heart is just—it's just our opinion. Okay. We we think it's it's a truth, and so we operate as if it's axiomatic, but it really is subjective because it depends on your feel of the moment. Right, right. Then there's objective truth, which is. Uh, more precise but still it's based on you know facts or research or data something that's observable something that's verifiable I mean when you for instance when you do an assessment or or maybe even a, a report or you're making a decision that is trying to be the correct decision based on a lot of research that you've done then we're talking about objective truth. But The other two um, are I think even more significant there's relative truth. Relative truth is kind of like uh, my passive mentor, Ben Savnery, says weather bit vain theology <laughs> that uh, your beliefs, uh, <laughs> the direction of your beliefs goes where the strongest wind is. Oh boy. Of your culture, for instance. For instance, right. relativism says that the nature of moral principles, for instance, are that they're not universally binding and that. Uh, the morality is relative to the norms of your culture.
0: Right. As scripture Scripture even talks about that, about being tossed to and fro from. Absolutely. the Absolutely.
1: I mean, when you listen today, I, I just wrote an article. Uh, I, I called it um, "Arrogant Ignorance," and what I mean by that is 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 generally um, people have a strongly held opinion because it fits a preconceived notion and a narrative that they want to convey, um, and so consequently they don't want to be corrected by absolute truth. Right. And as long as relative truth, that the culture supports what they're saying or they agree with them, then that's all they care about. They really don't care at getting to the heart of what truth really is. All they care about is making a pronouncement about the truth that they hold. Wow. Wow. So, and, and not only that, Mike, they're arrogant about it. That's why I call it arrogant ignorance. They're ignorant on purpose. It's one thing to be ignorant uh, uh, because you, you just lack knowledge, but to be ignorant on purpose and then to be arrogant about that ignorance. Right. So consequently, you know, relative truth is all about the prevailing winds of culture, embracing and allowing that wind to catch the sail of your behavior, to move you in whatever direction it's blowing. And oftentimes you'll see politicians, celebrities, other pundits, will shift course simply because the wind of culture has shifted. shifted, And so the relative nature of it is, um, you know, they're going to go where the strongest wind is. Or they're going to try to create the wind themselves because they have this narrative that they want to project and they want people to embrace. And it's more of a controlling factor. Now, the truth we're talking about... And as a matter of fact, the relationship it has to beliefs is what we call absolute truth, or axiomatic truth, which simply means that um, it's true no matter what. It doesn't matter what you think or how you feel; it's true. It's true. It's absolutely true. So, in essence, let me just share with you a little definition I I have of that: is absolutism, absolutism, or absolute truth. Is something that is true at all times and in all places. It's something that is always true no matter what the circumstance. It is a fact that cannot be changed. For example, there are no round squares. <laughs> right? Right. <laughs> so the absolute truth that is... That took me is, a little bit. A square <laughs> is a square. A circle is a, square, uh, is a circle. But Absolutum says that the nature of moral principles are that they are universally binding. Whereas relativism says that the nature of moral principles are that they're not universally binding and that morality is relative to the norms of one's culture. So when we talk about the battlefront of beliefs, we're talking about absolute truth. It doesn't matter how we feel about it. It's the fact that it comes from the throne of God. That's why the Word of God is so necessary to developing clarification about what real truth is. Because Scripture says that the Word of God is living and active. It's sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing the vision of the soul and spirit of the joints and marrow, and the discerner of the thoughts and intents of the heart. Right, exactly. And is profitable for teaching, reproof, correction, and training in righteousness so that a man or woman of God is equipped for every good work.
0: Right.
1: So what we're talking about is not only absolute truth, but inspired truth from the throne of God. So the first decision somebody has to make, and if they don't make this decision, it'll be made for them, is who or what is going to sit on the throne of authority over what we say we believe and what we value. Whoever we allow to sit on that throne, whoever has control or informs or conditions or establishes uh, the beliefs and values we hold, um, will determine the quality of behavior it ultimately produces. So the idea is, is that a decision has to be made. There are only generally just four options. It's either going to be the world, the flesh, the devil, or God. Right. Now, when we're passive about it, chances are there's this uh, chemical mixture, if using mixing metaphors, in what the Bible calls the heart, that in certain combinations stimulated by some circumstance, activity, or uh, initiative or encounter will bring it into a catalytic state where it it kind of explodes out into behavior uh, when you get this combination of ingredients of the world the flesh the devil and with a little sprinkling of God's truth then it's no wonder that the behavior it produces is questioned by a unbeliever. believer well it's no wonder that they look at believers and say well you're hypocritical right um, and there's no consistency right It's interesting, in Hebrews 13, 7, and 8, it talks about Jesus Christ. And it talks about the fact that you're to go ahead and look at the lives of people that have had significant input into your life, especially that taught you about truth, and to model your life after them. And then in the next verse, in verse 8, it identifies the key characteristics that they should possess if you're going to model your life after them. And one of them Mike is consistency. Yeah. It says that Jesus is the same yesterday, today yeah. and tomorrow. Yeah. So the fact of the matter is axiomatic, biblical truth, absolute truth, um, when it's exercise, it doesn't matter how you feel, it, it just simply is what it is. Right. It's truth. Right.
0: I, the one, one of the things that I, you know that I say consistently is what informs you forms you. yeah, exactly. exactly. And, you know, what we take in is what's going to come out of us sooner or later. You said something, uh, when it comes to your beliefs, says once we compromise our beliefs on the altar of expediency, it's simply a matter of time before a stronghold is established in our Mm -hmm. life. Mm
1: -hmm. What do you mean by that? Well, I mean, again, in this article I wrote, I I took people, let me see if I can find it here. I took people to Ephesians chapter 4. And what I described in Ephesians chapter 4 uh, beginning with verse seventeen, <clears throat> is this road to darkness? Okay. Now, keep in mind that this passage, this book, was written to Christians. A corollary of it can be found for non-Christians in Romans chapter one. It talks about the same things. Um, but let me just clarify what I'm what I'm talking about. Then it says, "Now, this I say and testify to the Lord that you must no longer walk as the Gentiles do in the futility of their minds. They are darkened in their understanding." alienated from the life of God because of the ignorance that is in them due to the hardness of the heart. heart, So the beginning of this road to destruction or the road to darkness is the hardening, the callousing of your heart, beginning with your beliefs. We start to make many M.I.N.I. compromises with our beliefs. What used to be black and white all of a sudden is now gray, and the gray parts of our life are getting larger than either the black or the white.
0: Right, exactly.
1: And so consequently, we start to question the very beliefs we say we hold. And so it moves us further into uh, and away from the truth of God that it says says in Scripture, if you are truly my disciples, then you know the truth, and the truth truth will set you free. And that Jesus said that I'm the way, the truth, and the life. That's where we go to for truth. But when we start to go ahead and choose our own way, when we seek to move or by default because of the, the choices we're making or by initiative um, uh, in, in, the, in the wrong direction, we, we slowly become dependent on the world when we seek to become independent from God. And is that the
0: stronghold that you're talking about? Well,
1: what happens is, is that once the hardening starts to take place, Yeah. Then the corruption of your beliefs um, starts to be driven into the sub- subconscious of your life. and you start acting out it, forgetting the circumstances that brought it into play to mm. begin with. okay? So you end up operating from it, and it's so it kind of finds its way like a virus into the, the, um, uh, the skin of, uh, or the shell of your heart. Your, and, and so consequently, you, you start to make decisions, you start to behave in a certain way, and you have very little control of it. Because now, once you move away from truth, you depend on your senses.
0: Right.
1: What you hear, what you see, what you feel. Right. That's so um, good. And, and so then you move towards sensuality. Sensuality isn't just about sexual sin. Right. It's about a dependence on the senses right. for your truth. Right. And it says in Hebrews chapter 12, verse 1, what faith really is. It's the hope of things not seen. But that hope isn't futile hope. It isn't a desperate measure that we take. Oh, I've got to believe this. It's always informed faith. In other words, based on our interaction with the Lord, based on our exercise of truth, based on a decision we make, for instance, um, you're going to be dependent on something, Mike. Oh, yeah. And so when you seek to become independent from God, you'll be dependent on the world. Oh, definitely. And when you seek to be dependent on God, you will be independent from the world. Come on. So that's what biblical truth is, is talking about. So it gets embedded into you. It becomes a stronghold. And you forget that it's even there because it's producing behavior. And uh, in the, in the source of it's there. That's why just trying to manipulate, control Put a you know a steel band of discipline around your behavior is only going to work for a very short period right, of time because right. you're addressing the symptom and not the cause, right. which is um, untruths.
0: Right.
1: Untruths are embedded into your soul now, and so consequently you're operating out of those untruths, which you're conveying as truths. Right. That's the big difference. Now, when you look over at at, at Second Timothy, for instance, Timothy talks about <clears throat> what's going to be happening. Now, Paul is writing to Timothy at the end of his life. He's about ready to be martyred. And so he's trying to pass on or convey to Timothy um, what's most important that he should remember. So here's what he says. I charge you in the presence of God and of Christ Jesus, who is to judge the living and the dead, and by his appearing in his kingdom, preach the word, Timothy. Be ready in season and out of season. And what that simply means is when it's convenient and when it's not convenient. Reprove, rebuke, and and exhort with complete patience and teaching. Now, this is what's critical, Mike. For the time is coming when people will not endure sound teaching or truth. Axiomatic truth, biblical truth. Okay? So, they're not going to... uh, They won't endure sound teaching, but having itching ears, they will accumulate for themselves... Teachers to suit their own passions, whether it's subjective or it's relative yeah. truth. Okay. I, I love that the New Living Translation says we'll,
0: we'll go to those to serve what their itching ears want to hear. Yeah, yeah.
1: yeah. And we'll turn away from listening to the truth and wander into myths. Yeah. As for you, he says, Timothy, always be sober-minded, endure suffering, do the work of evangelists, fulfill your ministry. So, when we, when we talk about truth, we're talking about beliefs,
0: right.
1: and we're talking about biblical beliefs. Right. When I work with men, um, and I um, encourage them to embrace values that are biblical, because a value uh, is the filter through which you process all life decisions, right? Um, it's the hills you're prepared to die and the principles you intend to live by. Every decision you make is based on a value you hold, whether you can articulate it or not. Right. But what informs that value, what establishes that value, is your beliefs. And so consequently, if your beliefs are corrupted, <laughs> your values will be corrupted, right. and it'll corrupt right. your behavior. Take a look at it this way. At the apex, Well, let's say, for instance, you're, you're, you're um, on a hike, and you're using a compass, and the point where you're standing and you're trying to get direction. If you are one degree off where you're standing, how far off will you oh, be 15 miles from now? A long ways off. Yeah. The, the variations are where you could end up right. is all over the map. Right. So the idea is, is that the compass, which is biblical beliefs, will give you an, uh, an accurate uh, direction in which to forge your life, in which to carry out your journey. And so these truths are absolutely critical. Now, going back to the comment that you made about, um, you know, strongholds. The enemy can't possess us, but he can oppress us. And there is a battle for your mind going on all the time. And, of course, the Bible uses mind interchangeably with the heart. Heart is found over 800 times in the Bible. And only in a few instances does it actually have to do with the organ, right. the physical organ right. of the heart. It has to do with either beliefs, values, attitudes, or motives, or a combination of two or three of those. Right. So, so the idea is, is that when you tune your heart to the heart of God, then you'll find that your behavior, the journey you're taking, is going to have clear direction, right. purpose, intentionality, and focus. Okay. So when we're talking again about beliefs... Sorry about the dogs. <laughs> they want to have something to say in this yeah. discussion here. Maybe we should bring them in. They're and expressing express. their faith. They're expressing their faith. Yeah. So the idea is, is that that corruption, though, if it's unchecked, um, if it isn't mediated by the Spirit of God, if there isn't uh, an acknowledgment uh, of its existence, if we don't rely on the Spirit to reveal that embedded corruption, uh, in our beliefs, it will produce behavior that we're not going to be proud of. Right. It's going to produce behavior that's dishonoring and shameful. Mike, that's the way it is.
0: Yeah, yeah. You know, I love how you say the Ten Commandments present a compelling central belief system.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah what's interesting in, in the New Testament in, in Matthew, it's talked about that to love the Lord your God with all your heart, body, and soul, yeah. and to love others, similarly, right? right. Well what you find is is that the 10 commandments the first four commandments have everything to do with your worship of God and love of God. Mm-hmm. The last six commandments have everything to do with your relationship with others. So the only commandment I don't know if you know this the only commandment that's not repeated in the New Testament is the Sabbath.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah,
1: keeping holy the Sabbath, right? Because Jesus becomes our resting Sabbath. And that um, even though we dedicate, you know, Sunday, which is Resurrection Day, actually the Sabbath for the Jews is on Saturday. But the fact is, is that we're to spend our whole life, our whole existence, seven days a week in some form of worship, whether it's personal, private or, or public. So the whole idea of these commandments, if you took a look at these commandments, and let's assume for a moment that you embrace them and put them at the center of your being, And volitionally and proactively adopted them as your belief system, what kind of behavior would it produce? Oh my gosh. I mean, even you take the Sermon on the Mount, okay, and you make that the center of your belief system. Or any other major passage like Titus chapter two, verses eleven through fourteen, which I have men memorize all the time. For the grace of God has appeared to all men, teaching us to say no to ungodliness and worldly passions, to live upright and godly lives in this present age, while we wait for the right. blessed appearing of our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ, who came to redeem for himself a people eager to do what's good. Take that one passage, Titus two eleven 11 through right. 14, and make that your central belief system. What kind of behavior right. would it be? Right. Would it produce?
0: Oh, man.
1: Godly, for sure.
0: Yeah, yeah. that's right. Well, I love how in the, I love how in the map... Um, you had us, which is one of the classes, by the way, which we'll talk about here at the end. But, but you had us come up with our non-negotiables. I think that yeah. was in the Yep. Yeah. And it's very interesting of when you, actually, when you actually take the biblical standard, the Ten Commandments, what your belief system is, you know, uh, mm-hmm. the things that you believe in. And you say, okay, what are the things that I am non-negotiable, that I just will not negotiate? You, mm-hmm. When you write them down, or when I wrote those down from the class,
1: yeah.
0: it's unreal how often, in daily life, am I confronted with those non-negotiables? Where oh, that's right. I said I I won't negotiate that yeah. whatsoever.
1: Yeah.
0: Um, and that to me is kind of that, that core belief system that you talk about. That that no matter what's happening around us, that's the thing that stems up at the moment in the time. Is like wait a minute. This is a this is a belief system that I hold true to my heart. I'm not going to bend it. I'm not yeah,
1: going to. You know, I try to encourage men all along to be proactive about identifying the hills they're prepared to die on, right. which are the non-negotiables. Right. I said, make them few, but make them significant right. and make them biblical. Yeah. What are the hills you will die on? What is uh, what is the boundary you will not cross? Right. What is the compromise you will not make? On a radio show recently, just, just yesterday, as a matter of fact, um, I said on the radio that, I don't find the word compromise in the New Testament or in the Old Testament at all. It's not there.
0: Oh, it's not, I don't think so. We don't
1: try to bargain with God. <laughs> right, exactly. Because who's in a position of authority over our life? Right. When we chart to negotiate with God, we supplant him on the throne of our life, our belief system and our values right. sitting there in authority over it. And we put ourselves there. We're the arbitrator. We're the one that's going to decide what's truth and what's not right. truth. So it's it's kind of being a little arrogant again, mm-hmm. using that word. Yeah. So um, the whole idea again is to make sure that um, you're, you're, you're very clear about the hills you're going to die on. The hills you will bleed on can't be your initiative. They are situational to circumstances, events, or encounters. And you need to be led by the Holy Spirit that if you're going to bleed on a hill, hmm. then it better be the hill that God's called you to bleed on because you can't bleed on too many hills or you'll die prematurely <laughs> you'll,
0: you'll die right exactly.
1: so the idea is is that um, you know those hills to bleed on there will be times, Mike, uh, that God will uh, steal your voice, will compel you not to say anything okay. at all, even though everything within you is welling up and feeling that you need to make this comment or this statement or you need to interact or you need to engage. But the Spirit of God is saying, no, not right now. It's not the right time. At other times, on the same issue, He will call you to make a stand. So it's hills to to, to die on. All the rest of them, all the rest of the hills are hills you shouldn't be climbing because there's somebody else's hill to die on, (laughs) somebody else's hill to bleed on. But these non-negotiables, these hills you're prepared to die on, Based on biblical beliefs, um, are things that you're not going to compromise under any circumstance. Yeah, yeah. I, and and it's it, once again it's just
0: amazing once you put those down how often you're confronted with them in your daily life. Well, there's
1: integrity checks. God, will... Uh, my pass, uh, not a pessimist, or my mentor J. Robert Clinton. I wrote the book uh, The Making of a Leader, which was based on. 30 years of research, uh, qualitative uh, research, using grounded theory methodology to ascertain or determine how God develops a leader, um, identified process items that God uses to shape his leaders. And and the audience that's viewing this or listening to it, you may not see yourself as a leader, you may be reluctant, uh, you may see yourself only as a follower, but every time you make a decision on the behalf of somebody else, you're leading. So get over it. You're a leader. <laughs> right. So um, the idea is is that there's these process items uh, one uh, that God uses to shape you because development as a Christian as well as a leader is a function of time, perspective, and processing and our reaction to the processing. The processing, okay. the processing um, are these tests sometimes that we're given or that uh, precipitated by a circumstance or an event, that one of them is called an integrity check.
0: Yeah.
1: That's, I think, what you're really referring to, right. Mike, is that if you identify these hills you're prepared to die on, these biblical beliefs that you won't compromise whatsoever, guess what? You're going to be challenged by them.
0: Right.
1: And it's not because God wants to chip away at your resolve. Right. It's a matter of you having an opportunity to make a stand because he's building in you a spiritual backbone. Right. And so consequently, I, for, for the sake of the audience, an integrity check maybe is something as simple as um, you're in line at Cub Foods and you give the cashier a $10 bill to pay for um, the goods that you bought and, and the cashier gives you back change for 20 And this is an integrity check. Right. You could rationalize and say, you know, I've been cheated before. Ah, this is just making up for it. So I'm not going to say anything. But the integrity check means that if you're going to live your life based on biblical beliefs, you need to go ahead and not compromise. Okay. So instead, you say, "You know what? I only gave you a, a ten, and you gave me change for okay. a twenty, and so um, I don't, I don't deserve any of this right. this extra change." So those are integrity checks, and and that's kind of what we're talking about: that these beliefs that you say you hold, um, you better be. Uh, clear about the fact that, you know, there are, what, are, are are what's going to produce behavior that will either bring glory and honor to God or dishonor and shame.
0: Yes, so good, so good, Dr. B. One of the things um, that I, there's a couple more questions I have, but uh, how do we, when it comes to the commandments, when it comes to those being, you know, the central belief system that we have, you you write in the book we obey these commandments out of love for God rather than obligation to yeah. God. How how do we make that? Because I, I believe if you were to be able to explain this, it would make it from being a religion to more of a relationship. The reality is that I'm not just doing these things because the Bible's telling me to do them. I'm doing them yeah. because
1: of the love of God. So explain that a little. Yeah. Bit. You, you, in other words, you're not pushed into compliance by a sense of obligation or duty. You're pulled into a relationship based on love because the way in which, the, and the Bible's really clear about this, yeah. Mike, um, you know, the way in which we demonstrate our love to God is by obedience. Right. You know, it, it's not a feeling that you conjure up, it's not an emotional experience, although it could be down the road, right. but it's not based on that. Right. It's like you saying to your children, if you'll just do what I tell you to do, I mean they could come to you and say, "I love you Dad, I love you, Dad, but be disobedient right exactly. from the, when they get up in the morning to when they go to bed at night
0: exactly
1: and you're compelled to say, Son or daughter, if you really love me, you'd obey you'd listen to what I'm asking you and and do what I'm asking you to do because it'll always be in your best interest because I have unconditional love for you so the idea is is that um you know when when it comes to fulfilling God's commands, whether they're clearly a command in the Bible, or um, it it speaks to the morality, um, the ethics that are are throughout the Bible, then what we need to do is simply comply in obedience and operate from that context. Because at that point, what we're doing is we're showing our love for God by simply being obedient. And so, when we think about these commands or, or whatever, it, we're doing it because we're honoring the Father.
0: Right.
1: We're demonstrating our love through our obedience. We know because of our relationship with Him that He loves us unconditionally and that He has our best interests at heart, that He knew us before we ever were, that it says in, in, in Psalm 139 that He superintended our formation in our mother's womb. He knew us before we ever were. He set the number of days we had walked this earth And in Ephesians 2.10, he says he prepared in advance a purpose for our lives. So we were on the heart of God before we ever came to be. So based on that relational dynamic, those dynamics, then that makes the difference. Because then all of a sudden, these rules or regulations or commands or precepts or principles are no longer burdensome. They're not something we have to do. We're not going to be pharisaical about it. Right. There's something we long to do right. because we know it's in our best interest right. if we're just obedient. Right. right. I, I love
0: that fact because realistically when those, those things that you just said about God towards us got to become our core belief systems of who he is and the character of who he is. Mm-hmm. You know, that's got to become a core belief because that will get challenged sure. every day. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's out there consistently, the fact of, you know, really does God love you? Really does, you know, if there was a God, why wouldn't he do this for your life? If there's that's consistent out there. Well, you know.
1: well think how, how ridiculous this is. Let's say, for instance, somebody came to you and said, you shouldn't love your wife. Yeah, right. She's not the one for you.
0: Right.
1: I mean, she completely thinks differently than you do. Right. You shouldn't love her. Are you right. going to listen to her? Right. Uh, no, and you're not going to explain to that person... Why you deeply love her, but you have years of experience of a relationship that's built up out of trust and in uh, interaction with one another, and you know her heart, yeah. even though this person who's telling you she's not right for you exactly you're not going to listen to that exactly. so that's how ludicrous it is. Yeah. Here we have a relationship with God. Um, it's interesting that the world is not going to understand the faith you and I hold. No, because it means that they have to make an adjustment to the way in which they're living. Mm-hmm. So they're either going to capitulate and listen to what you have to say, or they're going to fight against what you say you believe. Because it means something's got to change. Right. Because if, you're, if it, what you say is really true, that has implications for my life.
0: Right.
1: And I'm comfortable, even though it, my life is scattered and I'm having difficulty, at least it's the life I know. Right. <laughs> so I'm gonna, I'd rather do that than... What if I have to give up what I think I know? The trouble is is that so many of us are walking around with the wrong clothes. And we don't see how uncomfortable they are or feel uncomfortable they are or see how ridiculous they look because they don't fit us. But we're used to them. And so we're not going to look in the mirror of God's Word and say, it's the wrong clothes. God has a different set of clothes for you. Right,
0: right. (laughs) Exactly. So that that actually leads to our central beliefs must be tuned... Tuned to the truth of God's word, you said. So we know you know, we never know who's going to be watching these podcasts, you mm-hmm. know. So what about the guy out there that's watching this? that doesn't believe in God, mm-hmm. you know. He doesn't believe in Jesus or the Bible. Mm-hmm. How can he? What would you suggest to him? What would you, what would you tell him if you were sitting down across the table from him, going and explaining to him about our core belief systems? It's got to be rooted in the scriptures. It's got to be rooted in the Word of God. But yet this person doesn't. Well, for, well, first of all, it's him?
1: it's not really up to you and me. Let's just start off with right. that because in any interaction between two individuals and this individual you're talking about and in yourself is the third being of the Holy Spirit who convicts the world of sin, righteousness, and judgment. Okay. And so the idea is understand what your role is. Your role isn't to start from a position. Let's say, for instance, they're an atheist. Right. Start from that position and do everything you can to get them across the line where they're committing their life to Jesus Christ. Your role might be simply to move them one step closer to a point where they're ready to listen to right. the gospel. And the, the biggest thing isn't necessarily, Mike, what you say right. about beliefs. It's how you live that gives evidence to the beliefs you hold. Right. Because you've heard me say before, based on your, your time with me, that nobody really cares what you have to say until they observe how you live. And if you live a life of integrity and honesty, consistency, coherence, and continuity, people ultimately want to hear what you have to say, even if they disagree with you. Why? Because they cannot get past a life well lived. They can argue about the beliefs you say you hold, They can tell you your truth ends where my nose begins, but what they can't argue against is a life well lived in the same direction over an extended period of time. So what would I say to them? Look at my life. Here's what God has done for me, always in the first person. You may not be ready for that right now, but here's what's brought order, coherence, consistency, and continuity in my life. Here's what God has done for me. And so, and, and again, right. you've heard me talk about this before, when you're dealing with non-believers, essentially you're dealing with two different types. You're dealing with a skeptic or a cynic.
0: Right.
1: And so a skeptic has a threshold that must be crossed in terms of justification before they're ready to listen to you. A cynic thinks they have all the answers. Right. So how do you deal with them? You ask me, what do you say to somebody like this? I don't know if this person, you're this this arbitrary person that you're identifying... Um, is a cynic or a skeptic, let's assume they're a skeptic, you only answer the questions they're asking. Okay. And no more. You don't spit out everything you know because they'll not come near you again. <laughs> <laughs> is you only answer, the, no matter how tempted you are, you only answer the questions they're asking. How do you deal with a cynic? You only question the answers they're giving. Right. And not with any disrespect, but with gentleness right. and respect. Is right. As you simply say, well, wait a minute, here's what you said about this and here's what you said about that. How how do you reconcile the two? Uh, So you're not shaming them. Right. So, um, in answer to your question again, is that beliefs, you know, first of all, there are are two different types of beliefs. There are foundational beliefs and there are operational beliefs. Foundational beliefs are simply truth. um, That God exists and he's involved uh, in the lives of his creation. That Humans are born in the image of God and are not animals of a higher order. That the primary dilemma facing humankind is sin, which is disobedience and desiring independence of God. The solution uh, from a scriptural point of view is Jesus Christ and what he's done on the cross, his resurrection and his life. And ultimate destiny, destiny for a follower of Christ is going to be heaven and for a non-follower is going to be hell. Those are all foundational truths. Right, right. They may not compel you to act, but they establish this foundation. You, you stand on because out. your beliefs right. are the foundation you stand right. on. It's what gives you stability when the storms hit. Right, right. All right. So the idea is then there are operational beliefs, those things that do compel you to act. Right. That compel you to be obedient, to put off your old nature, put on your new nature, renew your mind in Christ. Those are actionable.
0: Right.
1: So those are operational beliefs.
0: Right.
1: So I have guys all the time when I take them through phase one of Heart of a Warrior, which is the compass, and you've been uh, in, involved in it, um, is the whole idea that they have to identify five operational beliefs. Mm-hmm. Now, in the whole pantheon or the whole universe of beliefs, it doesn't mean that some have got uh, a short shrift or or secondary priorities versus primary. No, what you're simply saying at this point in time, based on where you're at in your spiritual maturation along the continuum of, of God's development in your life, what five operational beliefs are you going to embrace to make sure that they're a part of the substance of your heart and that you act on them in the same direction over an extended period of time? Over the next six months, yeah. and so it's always about operational beliefs, like a person's worldview or ideology or philosophy of how they view the world and how they how they make sense of their observations and connect the dots, has a lot to do with foundational beliefs. Right. Whereas uh, overt behavior and action uh, based on the gospel uh, is is based on operational beliefs, actionable right. beliefs. Right. But in each case, Mike. They must be biblically based. Right.
0: Right. Yeah. Uh, what,
1: I love how, I just, I just
0: love listening to you because you, like I say, you bring it, you bring so much clarity to so many things. Um, you know, if you're out there um, and maybe, maybe, you know, you're not a believer, you know, whatever the case may be, it starts with a cup of coffee. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, realistically, you know, I know that Dr. V and myself would, uh, would definitely like sit down, hear your story or yeah. do over a cup of coffee because, um, if, if If we could convince you that God existed, somebody could convince you that He doesn't. And so it's not about trying to convince anybody or trying to, like Dr. B said about winning somebody over. It's about sharing lifestyles and you, and actually seeing how we live, how you live, and then walk walk together from there. Um, uh, one of the last statements that we can have before we close up is there's a good reason to state that beliefs are the foundation upon
1: which all
0: else is built.
1: That's right, that's right. Whatever you believe, remember, audience that's viewing this, whatever you believe at the core of your being, not necessarily what you verbally articulate, but what you truly believe at the core of your being, will manifest itself in overt behavior that will either be honorable or dishonorable. There's no middle ground. So it matters what you, or who, and what you put on the throne of authority over what you believe and what you value, regardless of what the world has to say. Come on. So good. So
0: good. Um, well, uh, I think, I think we, we're going to come to close on this <laughs> one. Um, be looking for more of these. Uh, we're going to be doing more of these, uh, uh, these podcasts. Um, just want to let you know that, you know, like we were talking about, go to heartofawarrior.org. Org. Go to org. Check out, uh, Dr. B's website. You can go to man2man.org, which is my website. Check that out too. We've got multiple different, um, avenues on where you can start stepping into starting to learn this stuff. Uh, Dr. B does, you know, the compass, the map, and the guide, which he'll be doing all three next year. Yes, I will. Um, I am honored. He actually asked me to lead one of the compasses, which is going to be hopefully starting mm-hmm. in February. Uh, They're going be, to
1: do a great job. Mike. So
0: there'll be, I don't know about that, but, I, you know, to <laughs> measure up you, this guy, is going to be tough, but... Hopefully starting in February, so you'll be lucky. You can find that on man2man.org, and hopefully maybe we can put on Heart of a Warrior 2 so we can get people signed up for that.
1: Yeah, one other thing I would encourage the audience to consider, on my website um, there's an opportunity for you to sign up to, for a monthly newsletter I send out. And now it's no obligation to you, you just simply sign up. And so every month you'll receive a newsletter that I'll be dealing with some topic. This last one was on arrogant, arrogant ignorance. Um, so um, Must read. Yeah. So just sign up for it. I I won't be uh, hassling you. I I won't be uh, uh, taking advantage of you in any way. As a matter of fact, it's a blind copy. So nobody even knows that it's your website or your uh, email address. But if you're interested in in just tuning into some of these subjects that I've been addressing, I've been doing this now since 2016 every single month. Uh, And on the website are archives of all of these uh, newsletters that I've produced. But you might be encouraged to, I would encourage you to go ahead and and sign up and subscribe to it. Yeah, so what we want you to know is that there's many
0: avenues out there to begin the process of learning these things. Um, We also do, you know, uh, we also do a John Eldridge weekend called Basic, Becoming a King. So there's multiple avenues for any man to just kind of start stepping into this whole system of belief. And, um, you know, we encourage
1: you to do so. And and one other thing I would say, man, it's not just about you. Because whatever journey you take, closer, moving towards the throne of God, tuning your heart to the heart of God is going to impact anybody that falls within your sphere of influence, beginning with your family. So when you take these journeys, maybe with some fear and trepidation, remember it's not just about you. It's it's for everyone that you know that comes within your sphere of influence. Amen. And then, so should we end like we always end? Yeah.
0: Strength and honor? Strength and honor. All right, sir.